Thank you for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. We're currently walking verse by verse through the book of 1 John. We're excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. We just wanna make you aware of a couple things before we get to the sermon. First, we'd love to connect with you. You can follow us on our social networks by searching at Hope Church LV. Also, be sure to check out our website, hopechurchonline.com. There, you can find out more information about who we are and where we're headed as a church. Once again, thanks for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. Please let us know if there's any questions you have or any way we can come alongside you and your family. Enjoy the message. I want you to imagine with me today a scene. I want you to imagine an upper room, the top of a complex, where Jesus and his disciples have gathered together. And as the disciples look at Jesus, there in the upper room, there is a look of determination on his face that lets them know something significant is about to happen. The week leading up to this moment in the upper room, There have been some very um, powerful things that have happened. These disciples have entered into the city of Jerusalem with Jesus and seen people lay down palm branches and clothing, shouting, Hosanna, as Jesus was rode into the city of Jerusalem. But in contrast, just a few days after they had come into the city, they heard Jesus make this statement. You know that after two days, the Passover is coming. And the Son of Man is to be handed over for crucifixion. So the image is a group of disciples looking at Jesus, who they loved, who they followed. And Jesus has this look on his face. And what is stirring inside of the disciples are two extremes. Celebration as they're welcomed into the city of Jerusalem. And crucifixion because of what they heard from Jesus. And in that moment, in that room, Jesus does something that's very strange. He gets a basin and a towel And he gets on his knees, and he begins to wash the disciples' feet. And after he does that, he sits down at the table with them, and he gives them a symbolic practice that you and I know as the Lord's Supper. This moment in time is captured for us in multiple places in Scripture, But I want to ask you to turn with me to one of those in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It gives us a glimpse into that moment with Jesus and his disciples. I want to begin reading in verse 23. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 23. For I received from the Lord... That that which I also delivered to you, 
that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. As I said a moment ago, um, today we're going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper. And here's what we're going to do for the next few moments. This is not a time where I'm just trying to preach a sermon to you, and then we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. This is a time for us, by looking at the Scriptures, to prepare ourselves to celebrate the Lord's Supper today in a way that is meaningful for us and honoring to Jesus. And the way I want to do that is I want to ask and answer two very simple questions. The first question we're going to look at, everyone loves to debate about, but it's not really that significant of a question. The second question that I want to ask and answer is extremely significant, but nobody really ever talks about that question. So here's the first question I want to ask and answer very quickly because it's just not that significant of a question. When do we do this? When do we celebrate, do we observe the Lord's Supper? This is the question that is not very important. But people all over the world want to debate. Do you do it weekly? Do you do it monthly? Do you do it quarterly? Do you do it annually? I want to share with you everything the Bible says about how often we should observe the Lord's Supper. We just read it in verses 25 and 26. As often as you like. That's all the scripture says about the frequency of observing the Lord's Supper. At Hope, we observe the Lord's Supper about three to four times per year. But that's all the scripture says in response to this question of when do we observe the Lord's Supper. But our second question today is extremely significant. But unfortunately, not a lot of people are asking this question. Here's the second question. Why do we do this? Many people want to debate about when we observe the Lord's Supper. But the real critical question that we should all be striving for clarity around is, why do we do this? And the way I want to respond to that out of this text is I want to share with you four reasons why we observe the Lord's Supper. And prayerfully as we do this, it's going to prepare our hearts to celebrate the Lord's Supper today. Here's the first reason. 
The Lord's Supper invites me to remember all the gospel has accomplished in the past. The Lord's Supper invites me to remember all the gospel has accomplished in the past. In two times in this passage, we see the phrase, do this in remembrance of me. The word remembrance is a word that indicates to call back again into memory a vivid experience from the past. It's the word picture of a memorial. Now, a lot of us can relate with that idea because probably all of us have attended a memorial service. Why do we have memorial services for people when they die? Well, here's the simple answer. It's an opportunity to remember the life of the one who has passed away and celebrate all that they lived for. One of the things that should happen every time we observe the Lord's Supper is we should remember the sacrifice of Jesus. When writing about the Lord's Supper, Alan Redpath made this statement, and it's, it's extremely powerful. He said, It is the one who has given something for us at Calvary, asking each of us to remember his death, to put that at the very center of our Christian experience. It is he who loved us even unto death, calling us out from the busyness and often the barrenness of our pressure and work that we might wait upon him in the stillness of our hearts and worship him. He points us back not to his life or example, but to that which is at the very heart of the Christian gospel, the atonement of the cross and the finished work of Calvary and the open tomb. That's what you and I are being invited into today as we celebrate this supper. But there's something very significant biblically about the Lord's Supper that we all must be on the same page with as we remember the sacrifice of Jesus and what the gospel has accomplished in the past. The Lord's Supper is symbolic. This ordinance that has been given to us by Jesus, it's a picture. If you study the gospels, here's what you see. You see Jesus often taught using figurative language. He would make statements like, I'm the vine, I'm the gate, I'm the good shepherd, I'm the light. And when he communicated those things, he was not indicating that he was literally a vine or a shepherd or a gate or a light. He was using figurative language in order to communicate a spiritual lesson. And this night when he's gathered with his disciples and he gives them this practice, this picture called the Lord's Supper, he takes the bread and he said, this represents my body. And he took the cup with the wine or the juice and he said, this represents my blood. Two symbols that are represented through the Lord's Supper. Let's talk about those very quickly. First of all, the bread. The bread is a symbol to remind us of the body that he took on. Theologians refer to this as the doctrine 
of the incarnation. God became a man and dwelt among us. Jesus was God who took on full humanity. John chapter 1 says, the word became flesh. That's what's being communicated as we look at this symbol of the bread that represents the body of Jesus. Danny Aiken said this, Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man. He is not half God and half man, all God and no man, all man and no God. He is not simply a man uniquely in touch with the divine. No, he is the God man who is like no one else who will ever live. He has always been with the Father, and at Bethlehem, he came to us. Here's the way the scripture communicates it in Colossians chapter 2. For in him, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. That's what's being symbolized as we see the bread in the Lord's Supper. The second symbol that we see is the cup, representing the blood. It's a symbol of the blood that Jesus shed. Theologians refer to this as the doctrine of the substitutionary atonement, meaning Christ died for us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, here's the way the Bible communicates it. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. There's a weightiness to this as you and I really consider the body of Christ and the blood of Christ. You see, Jesus offered himself as a sacrifice on the cross. He took our place and he did what you and I could never do. He paid the full penalty for sin for all of humanity and his death was sufficient to reconcile us to the Father. And the Bible says that through the atoning blood of Jesus, we can be righteous before God. That's the first reason that we observe this supper. We remember all that the gospel has accomplished in the past. Here's a second reason that we observe the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper allows me to proclaim the power of the gospel in the present. Look back at verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. The word proclaim means to declare openly. It means to announce, to publicly say aloud. It's a word that was used over and over again in the book of Acts to communicate the gospel coming out of the mouth of the disciples. As a, as a nation, we're living in a dangerous place, specifically in the context of the church. Because many churches, many preachers, many ministries have become consumed with teaching a self-help philosophy. They've become consumed with teaching a felt need um, type of content. And I believe that as we look across our nation, we see a consistent drift from gospel-centered teaching. 
And what this is doing for us as we celebrate the Lord's Supper today, it's reminding us of the very essence of the gospel that we are proclaiming. For, for, for pretty much everybody, there are two perspectives on how a person can be transformed, on how a life can be changed. Some people believe that transformation happens from the outside in. Others believe that it happens from the inside out. Let me unpack that. For those who believe that transformation happens from the outside in, they believe on focusing on external activities in an attempt to cover up or justify the inside. That's a perspective that says, here's what I can do in and of myself to change my life. That's outside in. But what scripture teaches us is that transformation is just the opposite. That transformation happens from the inside out. It happens as we focus on intimacy with God that produces a changed life on the outside. You see, the gospel of the Bible says, I need something outside of my own resources if I'm going to be changed. The essence of this book is that you and I are insufficient to save ourselves. The essence of this book says, I can't, but Jesus can. That's the message that you and I have been entrusted to proclaim in the world. Oswald Chambers says this, The creative power of the redemption of God works in the souls of men only through the preaching of the gospel. The Lord's Supper every time we observe it, anchors us and keeps us from drifting from the life-changing message of the gospel that says we're insufficient, but because of Jesus, we can be reconciled to God and reconciled to one another. The third reason that we observe the Lord's Supper is this. The Lord's Supper inspires me to celebrate all that the gospel will accomplish in the future. The end of verse 26, Scripture says, You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You see, this is not simply a memorial to remember that he died. This is a celebration that our God is alive and that he is coming again. And it's to remind us that the Lord's Supper is not eternal. We're not always going to have this practice because one day this memorial supper will turn into a marriage supper and what we now know by faith we will experience by sight. Let me tell you a story. Um, Pastor Vance and Pastor Teddy um, yesterday were involved in an event uh, in the Philadelphia area. It's a ministry event at a church. And the plan was that they would finish up that event around the afternoon time, and then they would be back on a plane and back in Las Vegas by 10 p.m. last night. And so about uh, lunch yesterday, Vance calls me. And he says, hey, man, we got a problem. And I said, great, lay it on me. He said, I just talked to our airline, and some stuff is really messed up in Atlanta. 
and there's no way I'm going to be able to get back to Las Vegas by this evening. And so there's no way I'm going to be able to preach at Hope tomorrow. And I said, okay, I understand. But if you're stuck in Philadelphia, who's going to speak at Hope tomorrow? <laughs> and he said, well, that's kind of why I was calling you. And I said, really? And so I said, hey, man, I got it. And so I went home and um, went upstairs, shut the door, and just kind of started pouring over this scripture, looking at some sermon notes and kind of thinking through this thing. And as I was just up there studying, I had two uh, really defining thoughts. Here's the first one. Thank God that there are no circumstances outside of Jesus' control that are going to delay his return. I'm thankful that unlike our pastor, <laughs> when it is time for Jesus to come back, nothing in the whole universe is going to stop that. Here was my second thought. I will never trust Vance again. When he tells me he's going to be landing on Saturday night. That one's not too spiritual, but it's just true. But that's another reason that we celebrate this supper. is because we get to look forward to what the gospel is going to accomplish in the future. When Jesus returns for his church and his people spend eternity worshiping him. Here's the fourth and final reason that we celebrate this supper. The Lord's Supper encourages me to examine the impact of the gospel in my life today. The word examine in verse 28 means to put on trial. It means to test by questioning. It's communicating to us that this is not something we should approach flippantly. It shouldn't be done as an afterthought. That's why here at Hope, every time we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we dedicate the entire service to it. This is not something that we just tag on to the end of the service as you leave. We believe this is a big deal. And because it's a big deal, it requires us getting our hearts right before we observe the Lord's Supper. And there are two big categories that as we prepare this morning uh, to celebrate the Lord's Supper, that we really want to examine. First of all, we should examine our fellowship with God. Vertical. We should examine our fellowship with God. We should ask questions like this. Do I know God? Some people participate in the Lord's Supper believing that it imparts salvation. If you're here today, and you know that you do not have a relationship with God, you do not need a ceremony. You need a Savior, and his name is Jesus. So that's, a, that's an important question for every person in the room to ask and answer today as you examine your relationship with God. Do I know God? Here's another question. Is there anything in my life that is hindering my fellowship with God? Unconfessed sin, open rebellion, 
impure relationships? We're to examine that today. Another question. Have I neglected the word of God and prayer in my daily life? Is the word of God and your communication with God important to you? Is it a priority for you? So that's the first relationship that I want us to examine today before we observe the Lord's Supper. Here's the second category. We should examine our fellowship with others. We should look vertical, but we should also look horizontal. We should wrestle with a question like this. Is there anyone I have not forgiven? Is there any bitterness or resentment in my heart? Is there anyone with whom I have unresolved conflict? Anyone who I have failed to make the relationship right? We need to ask those questions today. That's this whole picture of examining ourselves. Another question. Do I gossip about other people? Have I hurt someone or my church by needless talk about someone else's faults? That's what these moments right now are for. So that as we observe the Lord's Supper in just a few moments, we'll do so in a way that is meaningful for us and honoring to God. Clyde Cranford wrote this about forgiveness. It's a little long, but it's, it's extremely powerful. He said, in Christ... The thing that we least deserve is that which we have been most freely given, forgiveness. How then do we dare not forgive those who have wronged us? The person who has sinned against us is no worse a sinner than we. Therefore, we must forgive. This is not to deny or minimize the hurt caused by another person's sin, nor is it to excuse that sin. The sin was wrong. Being wronged causes bewilderment and sorrow, especially when the one who hurt us is someone we love. Our natural instinct is to question their love for us. But the ultimate question for the Christian is, do I truly love them with a self-forgetful God kind of love? Our love must be magnanimous, big-hearted and lion-hearted, like the love of Jesus Christ. We must rise deliberately above resentment, bitterness, and pettiness. This is the kind of love that led Jesus to the cross. If we love with this kind of love, remembering all that we have been forgiven, we will forgive others. It's a big deal. John MacArthur made this statement. To come unworthily to communion does not simply dishonor the ceremony. It dishonors the one in whose honor it is being celebrated. Uh, Two years ago, I had an artist in our church paint something for me. I asked them to paint, uh, this one's for Scarlett, um, to paint this for my children. And here's what's painted on here. It is seven prayers for their life. 
Seven things that for me as a dad, not every day, but pretty much frequently, I'm praying these things over my children. And the second prayer that I'm praying over my, my child, this is, this is for Scarlett, so it's written for a female. Here's the prayer. God, keep her heart clean and tender before you. I want my children to grow up with an incredible sensitivity to the Spirit of God. I never want them to become hard-hearted to the things of God. And in the same way, I want them to passionately pursue purity every day of their lives. And here's why I show you this this morning. The prayer that I'm praying for my daughters that I just read, that's what I'm praying for our church today. That as we observe this supper, and in just a moment we begin to move around this room doing different things, that our hearts would be clean and tender before the Lord. I believe that when you approach the Lord's Supper with a sense of routine, it communicates hard-heartedness. When we, approach, when we approach the Lord's Supper with known and unconfessed sin, I believe that reveals arrogance. But when we approach this supper with gratitude and humility, I believe that reflects a heart that is right with the Lord. So I'm praying today that the people of hope would have hearts that are tender and clean before our God. I want to ask our table hosts, if you would, to go ahead and move into place. And I want to share with you uh, what we're about to do as we celebrate the Lord's Supper. In just a moment, there are about to be four things that are all going on at the same time. Pastor Vance refers to this as worship chaos. But let me tell you what we're going to do. Four things at the same time. First of all, this is going to be a time of examination. I just shared with you the principle from Scripture that we are to examine ourselves. We want to give you a moment to examine your heart to see if there is anything you need to lay at the foot of the cross. We've placed these crosses up here just to give us a visual Maybe you want to come and just kneel here at this altar and just be alone with the Lord to continue to let him to speak to you as you examine your heart. That's something we're going to be doing during this time. Something else we're going to be doing is intercession. We're going to have some pastors up here. I want to ask our pastors to go ahead and come forward. We're going to have some pastors here at the front. And maybe you need somebody to pray for you. Maybe you recognize today you need to be saved. Maybe there's a burden with your job, your family, your health, your finances. We want to invite you to come, and we would love to pray for you or to talk to you today. So this is going to be a time of intercession. Thirdly, this is going to be a time of worship. Through the elements of the Lord's table, we're going to worship Jesus by remembering all he accomplished for us through 
the cross. We have seven stations around the room. We have four up here at the front. Then we have one there, one there, and one there in the back. And I want to invite you to go to the station that is closest to you. And we have some hosts there who are ready to serve you the Lord's Supper. So you can take that as an act of worship. You can receive it at the table. You can take it back to your seat. Whatever you want to do, we're going to worship. And then lastly, in just a moment, we're going to praise. When you've finished everything I just shared, we want to ask you to return to your seat and join our team in praising Jesus for who he is, what he's done, and who you are in him. So that's what we're going to do. This is a time we've set aside, not to rush you. This is a time that we've set aside to do this the right way. For some of you, you're ready right now. You're going to move to a station and you're going to receive the Lord's Supper. For others of you, you need to sit for a minute. You need to pray. You need to process. For other people, you need somebody to come in to pray for you. And so that's why our pastors are here. So this time is your time to be alone with the Lord, to examine, to be prayed for, to worship, and to praise. So Lord, we've been preparing this whole service for this moment. We want to honor you with what we're about to do. Thank you for what we're able to remember, what we're able to proclaim, what we're able to look forward to, and this moment of just purifying our hearts to make sure we're doing it the right way. I pray that all over this room, we would respond in obedience to what you say. Thank you for this practice you've given us. We honor you today, Jesus. In your name I pray.